0: what's up lady ballers welcome back we're soccer props and it's game time What's up? <laughs> what's up guys today we have a very special guest joanna loman who just came out with a new book raising tomorrow's champions which is a perfect mother's day gift it's a book with parenting and life lessons as told through the eyes of the greatest women's soccer players of all time we have mia ham carly lloyd alex morgan abby wambach crystal Dunn, and over a hundred other players so we're really excited to hear from joanna all about the book and talk about some of the stories that she um found out about the player so enjoy Everyone has their favorite soccer t-shirts, from school team shirts to tournament tees to club warm-up shirts. And if you're like Carly, Alana, and I, we may not wear them all anymore, but we struggle to let them go. So if you're like SGP, don't toss away your memories. Let Project Repat turn them into a unique custom quilt. Project Repat quilts are made in the USA, and they've created more than half a million custom t-shirt quilts for athletes just like us. We each have our own at home and love sitting on the couch or on our bed snuggling in our quilts. Visit ProjectRepat.com, that's Project R-E-P-A-T dot com. Custom t-shirt quilts made just for you.
1: Hey. Hi. Hold on. Here I am. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, Joanna? How are you guys doing? We're good. We were we're so excited to talk to you today. I know. You guys are like famous to me, so it's super exciting. (laughs) That's weird because you're famous to us. So
0: So congrats on the book. It's so exciting.
1: Yeah, we spent the last year writing it. So um, even before COVID, we decided we wanted to write this book. So we had a lot of time over the past year of being home. Got a lot of really good interviews with the players, parents, coaches. And for me, it was just really cool because having been one of the players that made it to the national team, you know, there's like 241 in their 35 year history to kind of, it was like a DNA test going back. It was like a 23 in me <laughs> of interview players back to 1985 until now. You just have such a deep respect for the players that came before you and all the shit that they went through to play the game for, you know, $10 a day and men's hand-me-down jerseys to the iteration of the team now and how freaking badass they are that to see like the evolution in front of my own eyes was like, was really cool.
2: Cause you, t- you interviewed, I mean, more, there are references and quotes from more players than I think I could have even just named. If you asked me yeah. to sit down and name. Oh my yeah, God. No, we
1: really, we tracked down the players, the first ever goalkeeper, you know, like first player to ever score a goal for the team. And they were so, I think excited to be included in this book because many people don't know the team before 99, which is like a super sad thing, but like that was the year that clearly the team hit the world and took the world by storm. So the, the players before that, I think get very little attention and I think they feel a bit slighted because they really paved the way for the 99ers and then to not even be known whatsoever. So I think those players are just really eating it up. You know, they just feel like they feel seen and heard and to share those stories in a sense of like they were they were the building blocks of the team now and to give them credit for the the current team i think they've really they've they've really enjoyed that
3: that's so true if you really think about nowadays the players have such a large platform of social media yeah. like they are known to so many more people and i can only imagine how those first players are, are now looking back and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even, first of all, I didn't even, I barely
1: got paid. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I also, no one knew I was playing.
3: <laughs> yeah. So it was
1: sad. Like so many of them walked away from the game just because they couldn't make a living, right? And if you wanted to have a family and children, like they were mutually exclusive. So you couldn't do those things. So it's sad that a lot of their careers were cut short just because of circumstance, you know, nothing to do with talent or skill just because you, it was such a slog right back in those days and you didn't have the resources that, that you have. So to really honor them in that way was super special for us.
3: Definitely. I think that's so important. And I'm just curious, like what, what made you want to make this book? Was there, did you always want to write a book or was this something that like you, you had a sparked interest about relatively recently? Cause I mean, it's amazing how th- the book has so many recent things that happened in it too. Um, Yeah. Like Yael's baby was just this year. So, so cool to see that. But um, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. The pictures in there, I think really make the book special that they were sent for the players themselves. And the blessing and the curse of the team being so popular now is that you felt like you really had to put the bigger names in the book more than the smaller stories, just because Unfortunately, that's what people want to read about. So a lot of the book is about the star players and, the, and those interviews that we secured. And I was approached by my co-author, Paul Tukey, back in, it was early 2020, so in January of 2020. And he's a soccer dad, as you've read in the book. And he just felt really lost in the process of being that dad to an, a 10-year-old player who was quite good um, with you know, not, he didn't do anything for her to be good. She just like almost came out of the womb kicking the ball and he knew nothing about soccer. And it just, he felt like he was being pointed in all different directions. There's so many different teams you can play for like EDP, ODP, ECNL, like you just name it like alphabet soup of acronyms. And he just felt really lost. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's funny because in the book you'll read about a few stories of his where he had a, a much older son who played baseball and he pushed his son really hard And that didn't turn out very well. So I think this was his chance to do it over again and do it right. And he really needed guidance. And I had grown um, a friendship friendship with him through his daughter because I coached her. And he felt like I would be a good person to help write this book because of all my experience. And I just felt like it was a super powerful story to tell because seeing how youth soccer has evolved and seeing parents now I think, feel almost like imprisoned by the youth soccer system, right? Of, you know, should my you know, daughter be playing six days a week, seven days a week? Like there's no balance anymore. And there's so much emphasis on winning, you know, to give you guys an example, I trained an 11 year old girl this morning and she's been super unhappy. And her mom's telling me this. And she said that her daughter's team is ranked. If they win this weekend, they're ranked 10th in the country. And she's 11 years old. It's like, Why are we
2: ranking it? What does that even mean?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And she was saying that the coach yells a lot at the players. And she said to me, I just want my daughter to make the high school team. And I I think this is what you have to go through to make the high school team. And I just was like, so baffled by that. Because first of all, I I always think to myself, you can be a demanding coach without screaming all the time at every player. Right. And I said to her, I said, your daughter has the best chance of making the high school team if she's happy. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, yeah. So it's, things are just really backwards now. And I think parents are really lost in the whole concept of winning, losing, paying a lot of money for this. For a club that plays in the ECNL, like, you know, clamoring over themselves to to videotape every game and get their highlights up on YouTube. And it's just, I feel like we kind of lost sight of the forest because we're so stuck in the trees. And so for Paul and I, it was just a way to encourage parents to kind of take a step back and have some perspective on the value of sport, that it goes so far beyond the wins and losses and the actual performance on the field, that the value of sport is showing up and playing and actually having fun. So it, it was almost like a reassurance of for parents to just calm down and to realize just giving their daughter and son a chance to play is the best thing they can do and kind of get out of the way, you know?
2: Yeah. And I love that the, the book kind of has that tone right off the start where I think one of the the quotes is like, um, like there's, don't even jump into organized sports. Like yeah, yeah. think of the joy of like letting your kid play outside and like, like free, like in a, in a non-organized sports fashion. And yeah. it's just that that's the theme that like I, people are so or parents and players are so quick to like skip over all of that yeah. and just dive right into specialization at the age of 11, yeah, and right? fitting their other sports and stuff like that. So I love that the book started off with that sort of theme of like, this is supposed to be the thing that you you love, yeah. <laughs> you know, not not a job right off the bat. Yeah, I, I was like- texting Megan Klingenberg about that
1: chapter yesterday because I was saying that we we included that she was running in the wrong direction uh, when she first started <laughs> playing soccer and she was just laughing. So, <laughs> you know, those stories are just are wonderful because you realize it humanizes the players to a certain extent, right? It's like everybody struggles and a lot of the players have struggled enormously to get to the top. So and it's and it's that struggle that has made them who they are. So I think that's another great reminder for these parents of like, don't. Mm. Don't shy away from allowing your kids to experience that pain and failure, because that's really what will build their resiliency and character over time. And if you really try to like snowplow all of these problems out of their way, you're doing a complete disservice to their development and upbringing. And sadly, we want to wrap our kids in bubble wrap when I get it. But at the same time, you have to let them experience that pain.
0: Yeah. I feel like parents feel like they have to be the helicopter parent now and they have to pay all this money to make sure that they set their kids up to be as successful as possible. But really that's not what makes them successful. And I feel like this book is so great because it tells like all those struggles and the failures and just how each person's path was so different. And I I love how you said the majority of people aren't going to be on the national team, but all the other lessons they're going to learn by playing sports is so much more important, like to to shape them to be the the best person they can be.
1: Yeah. Well, tell me more about what you guys are doing. I mean, you guys evolved so much and have grown so much. So tell me kind of like where you're moving.
3: Well, it's so funny that everything that you're saying is what we've been beginning to preach and talk about with our audience. Like it's all about having fun and getting back to the basics of why you're playing and why you're doing this. And as as a brand, we're just evolving into more holistically supporting the athlete and making sure that we're touching on the mental side of things, the nutrition Mm -hmm. side, like who you are as a person off the field is absolutely essential. And knowing what what your passions are without soccer, like just helping build a more well-balanced player, because it's something we wish, you know, that we did when we were younger, because it was a job. Like yeah. all three of us felt like even playing in college, not even professionals was a job Yeah, and we begin to lose sight of why you did it in the first place. So we just want to make sure that we're just lessening those soccer girl problems and making sure people are doing it for fun and that will make them more successful. So we have like courses, we're growing our podcast. So happy yeah. we you're here talking about these, these important topics and And yeah, just continuing to grow because we need more lady ballers to know this information.
1: Like, yeah, yeah, you need to hear it. Yeah, Yeah. even more now than it was when I was growing up, you know, I'm 38. It was just, it was so wholesome. It felt like when I was growing up, you know, like you didn't have iPhones, you couldn't film the games. Parents dropped you off. They weren't even at practice. Now the parents Mm -hmm. kind of like all stand around practice, you know, and like it was to a certain extent it was unsupervised besides your coach, but it just felt, so much healthier than it is now. So it's it's yeah. true. Like yeah. there are
3: parents like filming their kids at practice and then yeah. they probably talk to them immediately in the car about it. And it's just yes. like <laughs> there's so much pressure. It's just yeah wild. So it's so cool that you're really emphasizing that part. And we do think it's so important to share stories of of players because every single player, they may have gotten to the same goal, but they all get there in their different way different yeah. routes, and different rests. And like hearing everyone's side of their story is essential Um, and you can, it can help the player grow as well. So it's so cool.
1: Yeah, no, I totally
3: agree with that.
0: What did did you want uh, readers to learn about you? What did you feel like you could help them like learn from your own experience?
1: Yeah, that's what one cool part of the book is that I get to share in each chapter, that sidebar on my own experiences and that theme, and then also uplift all the voices of all these players. But for me personally, it's, it's funny because I still do a lot of speaking events and someone asked me the other day, like, what's, what was the best part of your career or what was the highlight of your career? And I I sat back and I was like, I always think about my failures because I'm always talking about my failures. So that's kind of like what is highlighted in my brain is all the times I've fallen on my face. And I think I've had some true like unique identity shaping moments throughout my career for, you know, coming out at the age of 21, um, cutting my hair into a Mohawk Uh, losing the championship game I did in 2016 with the Washington Spirit and the way that I lost it was just like so absolutely heartbreaking and like identity shattering because I didn't it was the best season of my career I didn't play a single minute in the game we lost in the literally the last second of overtime and I was 33 that was like my chance to win a championship I've spent my whole life playing this game I wanted a championship we lost so then it's like okay here I am kind of like reshaping my identity again then I tear my ACL. These are these games are back to back, by the way. So I leave the 2016 season crying my eyes out. <clears throat> That's a really powerful story. I think it's page 205. And then the first game I'm back, I'm like so motivated, so inspired to be back. It's supposed to be the best season of my career. I know I'm going to start, which I don't, you know, very often know about my careers. I'm actually going to start. And then I tear my ACL 11 minutes into that game. You know, so it's like those and then I retired in 2019. And so I just felt like I've had a very powerful and unique career in that sense of making it through two failed us leagues, playing in the third league, and then having so many situations where I felt like life built me up on this precipice where I was going to have this moment. And then it took me out at my knees. And I say that in a way of not, I don't feel sorry for myself. I say it because it's, you know, I look back on my life and I think it's incredibly beautiful. And I think tearing my ACL was the best thing that happened to me because it forced me to figure out who I was. So I think that's what I want people to learn from reading my stories is that first of all, it was hard as hell and all of that challenge and strife that I went through made me a hundred percent content to be in my own skin right here talking to you guys. Right. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be have this sort of confidence and understanding and contentness and my own skin without all of these times where I was absolutely shattered, right? And I had to put the pieces back together. So I think it's just expressing the power of failure and the power of of loss throughout your career, but still being able to turn that into something beautiful.
2: I, love and I that. think I was gonna say, I think that that is, everyone wants the easiest, the, the yeah. path of least resistance, right? Yeah. And then, and it's just, it's, I always say, this every podcast that it's like reassuring. And this is sounds negative, but to hear about your failures, yeah. to hear about all these people's times where they fell flat on their face, like you're saying, because not only does it humanize you, but I, I really do think that those failures are the reason why these people yeah. have made it to the top. Because if you, you don't experience that exit, and it goes the same way with if parents are paving the way for their kid or their the parents are creating the path of least resistance for their kid, they can get them to, maybe you know get them all the way onto their division 1 team but then when it's time for the parent to step away yeah that kid doesn't have their own two legs to stand on anymore right. so it it just goes back to that theme of oh, you have to embrace failure and embrace the obstacles and kind of face them head on because look at all that's come like you people ask you about the best moments of your career and you automatically think of the failures because of the because of the the positive outcomes of them yeah. in hindsight so i think yeah. that's that's just an incredible lesson to, to really fully embrace too. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, thank you. And I think it's really hard. You know, one of my favorite chapters is chapter six It's actually the parenting chapter. And I, I don't have any kids yet. So it's, it's almost funny for me to feel that way about that chapter, but Yael's mother speaks so honestly about Yael's career and how it's a great story in there and how Yael was maybe like 14 or 13 and she calls her mom and she's at a, like a regional team event and tells her mom that she didn't make the regional team and her mom like hangs up the phone and just starts sobbing. And it's the parents just take on so much of that for for their Mm -hmm. children and they feel so strongly those emotions. And I think that was so amazing to hear from her because she's like, these are my issues to deal with, right? Mm -hmm. Like as a parent, I I have to take this on. I can't dump it on my daughter, right? Mm -hmm. She's handling it better than I can. And I've heard that a lot from parents is how hard it is to watch them go through that and not want to take away that, you know, that pain and that discomfort and just to let them sit in it because kids are resilient, right? Like we're all resilient. We're going to bounce back from that. It's actually the parents who have a harder time I with know. it. It's so funny you brought that up because I've always
3: said this to my sister that I don't want my kids to deal with my baggage. Like I don't want to put that on them. Like my parents did it to to us, like, you know, and everyone gets it. So it's just so cool to hear that she admitted to to it Mm -hmm. and because parents sometimes they, they they might need to hear it they might need to hear it from another person to see that that might be what they're doing to their kid and not realizing it and of right. course it all stems from them loving them so much yeah but it's like something gets lost in translation and the kid feels like a failure <laughs> yeah. if they're like critiquing every move that they did at the game yeah no,
0: and, I- and I feel like a big part of that is just dis- is feeling like they're disappointing their parents, even when the, that's the last thing the parent is feeling. The yeah, parent's right. feeling it's for the kid, but then every time they make a mistake or they do something, they look up to see their parent on the sideline. Like it's like instinct for so many kids.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah, like, so it's hard
0: though. It's how do you, I mean, what did you learn from it? Like, did did the IL's mom have any advice on that? Like how to, how to change that?
1: Yeah. And I think that's something my parents struggled with, right? When they watched me, throughout my career and I was in certain times where <clears throat> I was really down or really sad. And, you know, they would say to me sometimes, why don't you just like stop playing soccer? Right. It just seems like it's not giving you the rewards that for all the work that you're putting in. And I just, it never fathomed to me to stop playing. Right. So it's, I think for Yale's mom, it's just, you know, you have to kind of swallow that. You you deal with it yourself. You trust that your children can guide their own path and you just don't dump that baggage and guilt, on your kids, because that's really your own issues to deal with and good for her for having that self-awareness, you know, for, to be able to say, Hey, this, this is really hard for me, but I'm going to put on a brave face for my children because that's what they deserve. And that's what they, they expect. And, you know, I'm sure some like deep breathing and some, some meditation and some therapy is good for parents, but just being able to talk about it, I think like we talked about mental health of being able to say it out loud and, discuss it maybe, you know, with her husband or with her peer group, but just not exposing
2: our children to that. So you interviewed a, a bunch of players and kind of heard about their experiences with their parents growing up. Are there any favorite parenting pieces of advice that you've kind of heard from all these interviews that you've done?
1: Yeah, I think we interviewed Alex Morgan's mother. And that is also in the parenting chapter, chapter six, and just different ways that parents, uh motivated their kids in their youth, Alex Morgan's family had like an incentive program. So if their kids did, she came from a a family of four girls. So she was the youngest. And if they did, you know, well in school or did their chores, they got points and all those points could be used as incentives as they got older. And by the time that Alex was 16 years old, she had amassed so many incentives that her dad had to buy her a Lexus, which I just think is like, first of all, (laughs) it's terrible. And second of all, just like so, such a statement about Alex Morgan that she would rack up enough incentives to to score Alexis when she turned 16. And, you know, stories like that. And also there's so many different ways that, that parents, you know, really help their kids on their own journey, right? There was no one set way of a parent saying, this is, this is the cookie cutter answer of how you raise your child you know, some parents offered incentives. Um, Abby Wombeck's dad, you know, bribed her with for goals. And
2: didn't she, all of our parents.
1: <laughs> that. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy you ice cream if you'll yeah, yeah, get 10 dollars like, every goal you score. <laughs> so it's interesting. And in, you know, having interviewed Abby on her four-year anniversary of her sobriety, and she's you know, the stepmom to her and Glennon's children now, she was like, We would never do that for our kids, right? Like we would never incentivize them to do something. Uh but it was just something that worked for their family. So I think it's really important for parents to uh, understand that they can take advice, but they also have, need to trust themselves and, and really know their child and get to know their child and what works for them.
3: I love that. Are there any other stories or lessons from the book that you wanna shout out? Like anything that comes to mind that was
1: super powerful? I think uh, chapter 19, which is on leadership, I think that's a really powerful chapter. Uh, It includes a lot of the most successful players and and Abby Wambach is one of those players. And it was just, it was a real joy to interview her because she's, have you guys read her, her books? Yes. Yeah. I mean, her first book was just absolutely incredible, right? Just like so raw, so real. And then to know that she's now in the position of a parent uh, I think is, is a really cool transition for her because she's starting to now see the game from the sideline and see the game from an eye of a parent. So she really gave some incredible advice on what to do if you're driving home with your child after their game. You know, the first thing is, you say is, I, I loved watching you play today. The second thing is you pick out one play in the game that you really appreciated, something that they did. You know, you could say, I love that you were the first person over to high five your teammate who scored the goal. And then the third thing was asking them a question, you know, did you have fun? Something lighthearted, right? Not something that's going to critique their, their play for that game. And, you know, looking back on her career, just her moments of leadership. I don't know if you guys remember, but the last game before the 20 2007 world cup um, actually it was the Olympics or world cup. She breaks her leg in the last game against Brazil. Right. And, In the ambulance, she tells a story. She calls Lauren Chaney on the phone, who's next up behind Abby, who has basically an alternate spot and tells her to get ready. She's like high on drugs because she's she's (laughs) broke her leg and she calls Lauren and says, get ready, like you're going to, you're the next one in. And it's just like these little moments of leadership from all of the players. Like I told you, guys, really sets the tone and sets the foundation for who the team is today. And just the authenticity, right? The authenticity that these players Exude on and off the field has enabled them to become absolute rock stars now who completely shape like norms, society. They're pushing boundaries. Megan Rapino's tweeting back at President Trump, you know, things like this that is really groundbreaking for women. And they are setting the tone, not just for women's soccer, but for all women around the world in all sports. And to see them do that with such authenticity, with so much badassness and truly embracing each other on and off the field, I think is just a lesson for all of us that, you know, you're going to be your best self, athletically speaking, personally speaking, when you are your authentic self and you're your true self. And I think that's so important for kids to know is that the struggles of youth, of trying to fit in, of trying to, you know, really find yourself, Once you do, and once you're able to be your authentic self bravely and boldly, look at what you can accomplish, like look at what these women have done, Um, just complete dominance on the field and absolute, I would say just like jaw dropping aura that they really possess off the field. So it's, it's, you know, hopefully our book really encompasses that and really sends that message to kids.
2: I love that. I think it's, it's, I'm trying to decide if it's a a better gift for a parent or for a player because it has such, it has such good advice for both categories and hearing it from both sides too, which I love. Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that.
3: Yeah, we were, we were saying it'd be a great Mother's Day gift. So where can
1: everyone buy the book? So it's available on Amazon. So um, it's Raising Tomorrow's Champions on Amazon. It's available on Amazon Prime on March 15th. And then also um, signed copies are available on our website, which is rtcsoccer.com. And yeah, it's, it would be a great gift for mothers for Mother's Day. You know, we're always trying to search for that perfect gift for our, for our moms and um, a great gift for kids, parents, and coaches, mentors, anyone who's a fan of the game are really going to love like all the nuggets that you get to learn from the players themselves in this book.
2: So many nuggets in this book. I've, a- <laughs> a- I've already gotten a nugget.
1: I've already a nugget. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. Have a great right.
0: day. Bye. Bye.